you ready for a main topic episode yeah do you want to go with the genre idea or did you have one of your own no I don't, i've never had an original idea of my own you've suggested like 85 percent of our topics for main episodes mm -hmm. yeah and now i'm fresh out yeah we got we got to get some people writing it <laughs> we can't do we can't do all the we can't do all the bullshit like other podcast what? things because you need three people to do a poll which is such lazy fucking content i don't care if you put that in an episode doing a poll is lazy content oh it's yeah TikTok of some guys doing a a poll of like a draft of their favorite monsters in D D, and i was like what the fuck is this shit mm -hmm. so yeah. i think we should do a draft of our favorite monsters in D. &D. Welcome back to The Jaunty Mantis. This is a podcast about creative questions for curious gamers concerning TTRPGs and other nerd garbage. I am Maddie, and here is my co-host, Jesse. Jesse, how you been? I'm doing pretty great. How about yeah. yourself? Doing fantastic. Doing fantastic. What is our question for today, Jesse? So the question that I was thinking about kind of kicking around in my head is we talk a whole lot about fantasy role-playing games. Mm -hmm. um, and we talk a, a fair amount about sci-fi. Mm -hmm. uh, what other genres of, uh, of story are there in the role-playing game space? Uh, and what interests you about them? Okay. So with D&D &D being the staple you know, kind of the generic template for role-playing games. Do people even realize that they can play horror games or science fiction games or romance games? Like what kind of genres are we talking about? Like, cause you could, it's like that Mitch Hedberg joke is kind of how I look at this, where he says, you know, every book is a children's book if the kid can read, right? So any genre of game you know exists as long as you just want to play it like you could play the 5e D, D rule set in any genre in any type of game what really makes th these games different from each other like what makes a science fiction game different from a fantasy game a uh, plausible explanation for how the magic works <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna have to do better than that no i refuse um <clears throat> Like, what is a science fiction game? Yeah, that's science fiction game. I think, I mean, I think I lean into space opera mm -hmm. when I think of science fiction, which is not, to be honest, all that different. Um, what What about Spelljammer? Yes, yeah, spell, <laughs> I don't think Spelljammer is not a science fiction game because it's not interested in the science mm -hmm. at all. Okay. Can you give me an example of a role-playing game that is interested in the science? uh traveler okay i've heard of this game describe it 
Uh, Traveler is the story of basically very Firefly-esque, though it predates Firefly by a good ways. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, usually about people who are uh, hyperspace traveling merchants, um, the crew of a ship that as they try and make money and keep their ship in the sky, get into space adventures. Okay. So what is the play loop for Traveler? Past character creation? Because... Isn't Traveler the kind of game where character creation can like kill your character? You can't really do that in the new edition. You can't have your character wind up, I think, being like in their 60s or 70s, but like they don't just die role taking risky roles on character creation anymore. Explain this. There's a there's a life path system where you try to get into certain education or certain jobs and you have to make a role and it's got this whole you know, your previous experiences shape what skill packages you have and your character didn't get to do everything they wanted because they failed roles during this character creation system. I actually think it's pretty neat. Um, I would mm. not want to homebrew it from scratch for another system, but um, I think it's a pretty neat, like sort of life path system. Mm -hmm. uh, so you wind up with a character, like a, a story outline for where you've been uh, baked into your character from, from the session zero, which is a cool idea. And it's one that's been in this game, I think like from the beginning back in the eighties, which is neat. Mm -hmm. I would say that role-playing games don't have genre. They have IP. Mm -hmm. Like when you play a role-playing game, you're playing an IP. You're not playing genre. To me, it's all fantasy. Um, have I ever told you why I don't like time travel in movies? And, and most TV shows. We've talked about how we like Looper, but I can't remember you. <laughs> okay, I'll use Looper as the example. Okay, a friend of mine pointed this out to me. All right, time travel is actually an extremely complicated idea. And somehow this very complicated idea got simplified into a story mechanism that then is being transmitted to a general audience because the people who make the movie don't know how much familiarity you or I may have with time travel. So it's simplified. It's boiled down. It's back to the future or whatever. Right. And so the, the uphill battle of time travel is as entertainment for me is that you have to take this exceptionally complicated idea, boil it down to one or two, maybe three base elements and then try to communicate that to an audience where you have no idea what their familiarity level is with your concept. And you have to have Bruce Willis, the guy from Die Hard, like I got a machine gun, you know, that guy, that guy is going to explain fucking time travel to an audience of people who may or may not have a college education or life experience or may or may not have read any books theoretical uh, about time travel or how it works. Like time travel is not, to me, it's not really done as anywhere close to what it deserves. And it ends up just being lazy storytelling, in my opinion. And I'm not trying to be harsh and critical about role-playing games, but that's how I look at role-playing games. So instead of time travel, it's all fantasy. Like cyberpunk is a role-playing game is not a science fiction role-playing game. It's a fantasy role-playing game where the magic is flavored differently. 
you know i have yet to play an actual science fiction role-playing game because for me and you can correct me if i'm wrong here please do but for me science fiction is there has to be a scientific element a true scientific element in the science fiction to to anchor it to reality so we're thinking old school star trek in the sense of like the original series next generation deep space nine where they were taking science concepts and then creating fiction out of them and the modern version of science fiction especially in star trek and i'm going to the chris pine star trek where they're like oh there's a romulan spaceship there's a lightning storm in space really a lightning storm in space that's the best you can do for me star trek so at some point science fiction just becomes fantasy so until somebody says to me hey here's a role-playing game that uses actual science fiction which i think would be next to impossible to do because who is at your table i barely graduated high school okay i am if you look up straight white male privilege in the encyclopedia you're going to see my face okay like i am not a smart person i barely understand how to do anything okay i'm not a big thinker when it comes to science fiction or science concepts and you're going to run a science fiction role-playing game and you're going to what do the bruce willis thing at the table in looper where he's like putting the straws out and he's like i don't have enough time to explain time travel to you here's some straws no <laughs> <laughs> rebuttal all right i'm gonna i'm gonna need to, to call in some people and get one of those big trampolines below the building before I, before i try and talk you off this ledge <laughs> <laughs> yeah talk me off okay so when it comes to genre in an rpg i hate this description but there is a section there are basically tropes that are identifiable with the genre that are a part and parcel and i get what you're saying about the lightning storm in space being something more akin to fantasy or space opera and that's the thing that's interesting about the you know the abrams star trek movies is they took made, they made star trek a space opera and star trek was never a space opera before yes i don't know that i would say that star trek was um hard sci-fi in any way shape or form but it was more about the ideas of utopia uh and you know basically it, it explores different eras of its time i mean strange new world kind of does the same thing these days for me and aid edmondson has amazing hair and i i just <laughs> god he's a pretty man so anyway um yeah i think putting those tropes in cyberpunk has the tropes of the loss of autonomy and the corporatization of everything and a maybe fruitless and futile struggle and a hyper capitalism where you have to give up you know everything to have some kind of edge but you're still struggling to try and get you know ahead those are all to me elements of cyberpunk and i think there you can have a cyberpunk game where those are the themes inherent in your game it's not necessarily fantasy are they all fantastic are they all things of the imagination yes but are they fantasy with dwarves and magic and dragons no that's a set of tropes that's associated with fantasy and again they're sliders 
one of the things that I really like about modern story games is I find that they tend to do genre fiction very well um, by baking into the mechanics those tropes, those things you expect to see. So if I had to say right now, what do I play most? Fantasy. What do I play second most? Sci-fi. What's my third? Cyberpunk. And about there is where my play experience kind of stops. I did get to do a Star Trek Adventures with a dude who is real into sci-fi, what it, what is the nature of thought, what it means to be human. And it was a really cool experience to see what happened in that game with all the science aspects and a deep, that dude has a deep knowledge of canon. And I know you're listening, Mark. I love you. I love you so much. <laughs> um, so yeah. And then I'm also, I'm now playing in a Dune game, which is not sci-fi. Dune is not sci-fi. Um, the books are, but like the RPG, it is a cool, weird fantasy that has some cyberpunk or some fantasy or sci-fi elements. When I think of other genres that are kind of in the mainstream of games out there that I haven't done and maybe want to do, uh, Western. Okay. And yes, you could do a fantasy story or use D&D rules to tell a Western story, but I haven't participated in a Western story. Um, Pulp Adventure. I don't know. Is Takara Pulp Adventure because we're doing the pirate thing? It it doesn't yeah. feel like, you know, like a, a standard Takara fantasy. Takara is swashbuckling fantasy. Yeah. Okay. So d- different subgenre. So yeah, Westerns out there. Um Weird West is a subgenre of Western that is very popular in the RPG space. Uh, Weird World War is another one. Mm-hmm. Um, barely ever get to play horror games, mm-hmm. um, which is a whole whole different. I would I would like to. Um, so, what kind of themes are we exploring in your typical fantasy role playing game that makes it fantasy? If you were to take out dwarves and elves and dragons and orcs. What makes a fantasy game a fantasy game? I don't think if you take those things out, you have a fantasy game anymore. I disagree. I think you do. I think okay. fantasy is about fantasy is zero to hero. It's prophecy. It's um, epic, larger than life uh, circumstances, kingdoms, gods, events, armies, um you know, like you can, it's about making your character the center of the universe. That's what fantasy is to me. That's what fantasy storytelling is. As far as a role-playing game, you are making the player characters feel like the center of the universe. There is these amazing world or universe altering things that are happening around them. And they are the prophesized few that are going to be participating in these world-changing events. Now, not every D&D game starts with, you are the prophesized warriors of light, and each of you has a crystal you are wearing around your neck. Sometimes it does, though. <laughs> uh, not all of our D&D games start that way, but the those are the basic en- elements. It's a, it's a power fantasy. Um, it is taking characters that were nothing or were very little or were just exceptional and making them a a lot of progression for fantasy games involves uh gods demons interdimensional aliens like you just keep increasing the power level as you go up and i don't see that in the like when i play Shadowrun, that's not what's happening 
Yeah, you're not the hero in Shadowrun. Like, right. You're just doing jobs and getting mixed up in crazy shit. You know what I mean? So I think you could still do fantasy roleplay without magic, without swords, without orcs. You know, one of the things I love most about Star Wars is that it's not science fiction. It's science fantasy. Yeah. You know, or or space opera, whatever we're calling it, right? Um, that's what I love about it. I love fantasy, you know. So what what are the important themes that need to be explored in a science fiction game? Like in a cyberpunk game, you're exploring transhumanism. Like what does it mean to be you when you're able to replace, alter, improve different aspects of yourself? You know, I was listening to the core podcast, which is about video games. The hopes we're talking about cyber, the latest cyberpunk video game. And they were talking about a romance segment in the game where you and this other character are having sex in a tank. And then you hack into the tank and you trade sensations so that she's having the male orgasm and you're having the female orgasm. And for a split second, I was like, wouldn't it be cool if a science fiction role-playing game at the table lets you do shit like that? And I'm not saying like, fuck your friends uh, and, and, ex- and, cha- and exchange orgasms. What, I'm, what I mean is I would love to play in a role-playing game that explores transhumanism like that, that explores that aspect. I have news for you. <laughs> <laughs> do tell. There is one. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course there is yeah it's called eclipse phase and okay what's the game, thing, what's the play loop uh the play loop is the the general campaign is basically you i can't remember the name it's been a minute since i read the book you work for an or humanity almost got wiped out in the um oh what do they call it the big event the singularity mm-hmm. the singularity happened it triggered some ai kill everybody robots that were left beyond the orbit of saturn or something by some ancient elder intelligence came down turned earth into dust the only people that were left were the people in the off-world colonies or in mars space stations um a couple people like a bunch of people they call it ego casting everybody like like altered carbon everybody has a cortical stack um that backs up your personality and you can ego cast uh your personality into another cortical stack so masses of refugees ego cast off earth before the transmissions were cut but none of them have bodies so some companies now with what's left of humanity have been like hey we can put you in a body like we can't run a computer simulation for your mind so you're on storage but we'll wake you up for a second we'll make you a deal we'll put you in a body but you're going to be an indentured servant for like 20 years to work mm-hmm. off your debt to us for giving you a body. Gotcha. Um, but you can have like, you can be an uplifted octopus that walks around in the body of a tank. You can shift bodies all the time. The tagline's great. It's like the body is software, hack it. Uh, death is a bug, overcome it or something like that. And the core play loop is you work for like a quasi secret organization that looks into and deals with extinction level threats like the ai that made earth fall because earth is totally fallen yeah this sounds intriguing i i would like to play this game i made a character for it once for a game my buddy george was going to do who was like basically like 
at some point before earth fell they reverse engineered the genome for neanderthals and uh like uplifted them i don't know if that would have been necessary but like so he was basically a neanderthal that lived on mars um and his name was chert bear uh and uh he just roamed around in his rover like doing geology on mars and like napping flint spears and stuff with mono molecular edges i thought it was a neat concept and then he you know go off and do missions for this organization would have been the play loop well, what um, are the missions then i think one of the starting adventures is like you have like a backup you ego cast a backup so if you die no trubs like just slot your last backup into a new body but like one of the starting adventures is like a mystery where like you died and there have been seven days since your last backup so you lost seven days and it's trying to, it's a mystery to uncover what happened mm -hmm. and i'm like that's pretty neat that's a cool idea for a story do you think the average group of people playing at a tabletop role-playing game are going to be able to handle that game yeah okay i think people will surprise you look i definitely know that people will surprise me i also know that people like to drink make jokes and have fun yeah so that's that's more akin to my role-playing game experience is like we're just you know we're gonna have some fun and make jokes and do goof em ups and that's okay that's that's what role-playing game is that's the style of the storytelling you know like i don't know what would happen if i was in a role-playing game where we were doing fucking van damme serious bullshit all the time you know so what is the play loop then for another genre like what other genres are we talking about so there's like a, a top secret si style game like a spy game mm -hmm. you mentioned western what what is what is the equivalent in the western to what we just talked about like what makes a western truly a western is it exploration is it survival is it gunfights like what 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 makes a western truly unique in a role-playing game setting that's not replicated in fantasy or science fiction or a different you know because you mentioned making things weird in a lot of circumstance and i think that is the default cop-out of role-playing games is like well it's like a western but it's weird it's like well why can't it just be a western because that's not how role-playing games work role-playing games need to have the fantasy element and making it weird adds the fantasy element that's what cues the players and the dm or the gm into you know that this hobby really only has one genre which is fantasy <laughs> all right boys bring that thing back over here we're gonna need <laughs> I do recognize that this is my failing before people pull out the pitchfork shaped emails. Uh, this is my failing. It's 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 on it's my responsibility to seek out games and groups that can do genre and different kinds of games. But I will also caveat that with I've been doing this for a long time. The majority of it's fantasy and D and D, and I've played in a lot of groups. Okay. So. So what's the Western play loop? What's what, what are the themes that make it a uniquely Western game without magic, making it weird, any of that other shit? Um, I think it's the temptation towards might makes right. Um, and I hate to think about it in these terms because there's so much of that genre wrapped up with colonial oppression, especially mm -hmm. as how we see it in the United States. 
but it's like the veneer of civilization breaking down the temptation of leaning towards might makes right um there's the struggle for survival um like there's the veneer of law but it is actually lawless and like you know yeah if i was going to run a western game the lethality of this game would be uh very sharp you know like in in dungeons and dragons we have hit point totals and cast x number of spells or attacks and they do x these kinds of damage and then when you're at zero you're dead or whatever the case may be if i was running a western game it would have to be mandatory that you could get smoked like that just yeah. like you know somebody has a gun you're dead like yeah. if you're gonna go out and do a shootout it like you got one chance to make this work yeah. like you know what i mean so i think that would be if somebody said to me ask me the question i would say lethality uh needs to be uh, an omnipresent overhanging thematic aspect of a Western role-playing game. Yeah. Sudden excessive, the, the ever present possibility of sudden excessive violence, mm -hmm. uh, with a high level of lethality is yeah. the thing about that. I mean, or you could, you know, you, like the weird, like, Oh, there's like, you know, a zombie train. I mean, I actually don't. <laughs> I've never really played a Western game and I haven't read a lot of Western game books. I mean, the story game I go to, I've only heard tales of because it's like super out of print and that's dogs in the vineyard. Mm. And that one is all about your moral choices. Explain dogs in the vineyard. If you haven't heard of that, and this is me having glanced at the book once years ago, I don't own it. I haven't played it, but my understanding is you are basically Mormon paladins. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, gunslinging Mormon paladins that travel from community to community solving problems mm -hmm. uh, either with mercy or with steel <laughs> and it's it the game heavily revolves around the moral choices you make about what is the law you will enforce as someone looked to in these communities as a keeper of law yeah I would put westerns and revenge movies in the same bucket as far as if trying to put that in a role-playing game experience i think those two ideas have a lot in common with each other and that is the way that i would run a western game is you know your characters are the people that are willing to do things that other people aren't because reasons and you know the you know <laughs> The Jekyll boys have kidnapped so-and-so's daughter. Nobody else will go take them on and try to get her back. You know? Yep. That's the Western game. And in the Western game, you could be doing that because it's right and you're the law, or you mm -hmm. could be doing it for money. <laughs> and those people are going to work together because there is only the thinnest veneer of quote-unquote civilization and these would be the character classes in a western game for me that's i'm really glad you just said that like there'd be a temptation for the character classes to be like card shark or gunslinger or whatever you know what i mean and that's what deadlands does but that's weird <laughs> west yeah the classes for my western game would be exactly what you just said like the do-gooder the you know mercenary the character that just wants to hurt other people like these are your character classes 
Like we're just all gunfighters or card sharks or whatever. That's a different part of character creation. The classes are your motivation in this world. You do the things that you do because you love to hurt people. That's your character class. And do and 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 that's what like that's the that informs you about the world and the play experience. You know what I mean? Like I've often tried to figure out what kind of game would be perfect for the quote unquote murder hobo style group. And, you know, we did an episode about this before about altering your game to fit that play style. And I think a Western game, high lethality with those kind of options would be perfect. Yep. I think one of the things too going into it is, uh, we talked about that a while ago in an episode about that expectation of the long campaign in fantasy mm -hmm. games. Uh, I don't think anybody goes into a Western game thinking this <laughs> is going to be a long campaign. Yeah. Cause like either your character's going to die or in five years, the territory is going to become a state and the law will come in and there'll be <laughs> government and then you're fucked and you gotta, hopefully there's another place in the frontier where, you know, you won't get killed by whoever's there and you can, you know yeah i would do the game sessions like they were movies taking place over with with huge swaths of time in between i got to thinking about this topic actually because i watched a western and oh, i was sure. like i want to steal elements of this for another game and it got me thinking about what if you did dark sun as a western fuck yeah dude <laughs> The movie's, uh, I think, 2017. It's called Bone Tomahawk. Mm -hmm. Have you seen it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I, had, I have. I had no idea this thing existed. And mm -hmm. one of the weird rabbit holes I'm on in TikTok is just like, here's two minutes from the middle of some random movie because we know you'll watch it. Like, what the hell is this? And it was Bone Tomahawk. And I was like, intrigued. So I found it was on Tubi. <laughs> <laughs> and i watched it and i was like my god this is a great this is a great mm -hmm. adventure for a role-playing game like mm -hmm. a death spiral one but i was like you could literally just that whole like uh freed slave tribe from the dark sun game like that is hope springs <laughs> and uh there's some gif <laughs> that are living out in the cave and you know some wandering merchant wanders through their i mean you could literally take the story beats mm -hmm. and yeah yeah bone tomahawk is the kind of movie that got explained to me before i watched it and it did not prepare me for what happened next i was <laughs> it like <is> intense <laughs> you know what I, I was thinking of for my explanation <laughs> if you hadn't seen it i was mm -hmm. like okay imagine this it's the 13th warrior <laughs> Ah, a movie I like, but it's a Western and a horror movie. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, that's perfect. And it's, there's, there are some things, I know it's a modern Western, so there's some really interesting things they did, like the character of the professor, mm -hmm. uh, who is a native American who comes in and has to like, one of the characters is very obviously a bigot. And the other guy is Kurt Russell is calling him out for it. <laughs> like, yeah. That was like in the middle of a Russell Sans, a, a Russell and Sans, a Kurt Russell Sans, where he was like in everything all of a sudden. And you're like, oh shit, he's making a comeback. And then he was like, nah. I was just making some cool movies that go with my mustache. Yeah. I'm I, look, fine I, with that. 
I took the time to grow this, so now we're going to make some movies. <laughs> he does have the mustache in Bone Tomahawk, by the way. Mm-hmm. Faithful listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that movie is crazy intense. And I love the character of Chicory. I was just like, I feel like I just learned so much about dialogue watching this. Yeah, that would make a great Dark Sun game. If you do it, I will keep my mouth shut about it. Okay, okay. Because I I want to play in that game. Yeah, that's the lethality though. It it goes perfectly with with Dark Sun. Yeah. Except it, get rid of the veneer of civilization part. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just as grittier. <laughs> yeah. so that got me think is sword and sorcery a western i was about to say that i didn't want to interrupt you know the explanation of bone tomahawk but that popped into my head as well is that does sword and sorcery fall into the western category yep and you know sword and sorcery tends not to have like a prophecy or at least a true prophecy or at least in a, a a world altering prophecy you know like in sword and sorcery it all really affects the the character in that moment you know what i mean they are not changing the world or existence you know conan may become like a great warlord but it's not like he's going to take over the entire earth and you know what i mean uh or maybe I'm wrong and I'm thinking about something else. I don't know. You're nodding your head though. Yeah. Um I was this I heard a, a thing interesting for if you're a listener in Oklahoma, <laughs> I highly recommend you check out DM Dave's in Norman, Oklahoma. It has the best selection of role-playing game books in the state. Um it's it's really and the guy who runs it, DM Dave, is super cool. And I was talking to him about Dark Sun. Mm. um and uh check out his patreon his blog he's got a bunch of stuff on dm skilled he's a super cool dude throw some money at him he writes good books um but i was talking to him it's just like yeah for sword and sorcery you need three character classes fighter barbarian and rogue and mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. like that's a sword and sorcery game and, and what you said about characters like the do-gooder the opportunist and the bastard mm-hmm. yep thank you you just named him yep yep are we writing a Western game? <laughs> I think we are with scarcity dice and a location-based magic system that everybody can access. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so now it's weird, West. That's okay. Yeah, for sure. Okay, what about romance, Jesse? Let's let's make this the last one we explore. What makes I've never played in a romance game. I don't even know if I fully understand exactly what a romance game is. Are there romance games? In the Cypher System book, they have a little bit of a section dedicated to how to use the Cypher System in a romance-style game. So I can only assume... What did that say? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it uses the Cypher System rules and then modifies them and adds a few other elements to build upon relationships as a core mechanic of the gameplay experience. Um, You know... I, I feel like romance is this, you know, thing we pigeonhole into role-playing games that it, it's a thing that exists. Like what about the, um, what's what the, the legend of the four rings or whatever it is. L five R legend of the five rings. That's what it is. Yeah. Is that a romance game? 
no that's a the main campaign like the default campaign is you're all you may be of different clans but you're all magistrates serving the imperial throne wandering the roads of the empire you know solving crimes like mm. you know samurai movies it's a samurai movie mm -hmm. okay I feel like you've explained this to me before in another episode so if I forget this a third time everybody drink but what are the key elements of a romance game like if we're questioning the viability of its existence then maybe we can disprove it right now I don't know because I I like have zero okay uh closest thing I would say to playing a game that I would say was maybe a romance game is the good society okay did I tell you about the good society or have you heard of the good society never heard of it the Good Society is a Regency era role playing game designed to emulate the fiction of, um, you know, uh, Jane Austen, basically. Um, and so you have like these people in their summer houses, you make characters, and there is no fighting. Mm -hmm. um, there's just the opportunity for scandal, and it's and you can do romance if you want we were trying to do a romance arc i was like i'm okay we're doing this i'm going to try and do a romance arc you know very a pride and prejudice thing um i think i did okay uh at one point carrie said my character brought uh that big d energy d is for darcy for mr darcy <laughs> <laughs> um but uh yeah I, I was trying to romance my wife's character because that was about as comfortable as i felt even role-playing romantic overtures so um i know that there's i want to say uh an apocalypse world game called passion de la passions mm -hmm. which is designed to do mexican telenovelas mm -hmm. um i know that the whole strings relationship systems and monster hearts could let you do uh romance but i feel like this is an area where i would need to develop some maturity as a gamer because i have been tainted by my previous experience with DD &D where romance <laughs> means seduction mm -hmm. and i don't think that's what a good romance game would be about not to say it wouldn't happen but it wouldn't be like all you do yeah i think you could play a romance game without any intimate or sexual aspects to it whatsoever when somebody says romance game to me, it's about relationships and relationship building. So yeah. your courtly intrigue game, you could make a, you know, game that takes place in, in a, a king or queen's court. Every session involves, uh, you know, political intrigue. A Court of Blades by Two Drakes. Uh, it's Forged in the Dark oh okay it is that game i have it <laughs> oh okay well there you go that that's what stands out to me as a romance game is you have to manipulate people or honor con uh uh personal connections or whatever the case may be and that's what the whole game experience should be about but i still yeah, don't I know think... if it actually I, I don't think i've ever actually played in this game yeah because one of the things that i think that maybe we don't do well and it might be a fun secret experiment for us in games we play we might be working up to this with <laughs> fatic and burdine mm -hmm. but uh one of the things that i think makes a romance would make a romance game work 
uh, is the whole idea of delayed gratification. And I don't mean sexual gratification. I mean, achieving your heart's desires, mm-hmm. right? Having that be delayed and the tension of, you know, delaying that um, is what would make the story interesting from a romance perspective. And as people who grew up on power fantasy D&D, I feel like fundamentally delayed gratification in a role-playing game is not a thing I personally am super great at. <laughs> well said. I, I agree with you. I'm I'm the same way. Okay. What if you did a game where you're playing like two or three characters? You're like, let's say the game is your house, you know, whatever house black talon. And then you have three characters that you have to create for this house, this noble house. The first character will be in court. The second character will be the, uh, gets their hands dirty character, the do-gooder, the opportunist, the bastard, right? Um, and then there's a there's a third play loop, and each one of these uses the genre element. So some of the game sessions take place in the court, and then in order to influence the things that go on in court, those characters turn to their uh, mercenaries or their bodyguards or their hired thugs and say go break that guy's legs you know or whatever the case may be like I need this vote to go badly so I need you to scare the shit out of the senator and then you you know go to the next scene and you're playing your do-gooder uh, opportunist or bastard and there's a high lethality involved in that um, in that play loop so the the style of the game takes place in these pods you know what i mean and they revolve around most of the things that we talked about i'm trying to work in a transhuman uh, aspect as well <laughs> it's not working i didn't get there but you okay. know, do you see what i'm saying future space courts <laughs> same system but you've got three personalities mm-hmm. and one body this is why I love you. <laughs> you switch the personality and bonus round, much like the shadow in Wraith the Oblivion, when you have to use the bastard, someone else at the table gets to play you. Uh-huh. Oh, I love it. I love it. But they have your face and everybody's going to think it was you. So, but the bastard is played by another character at the table representing your darkest impulses, the shard of your personality you had cut away so you could be a good person. But sometimes there's some work you have to do for your space noble house (laughs) that you got to let the bastard out. And when that happens, another player at the table plays your character. I love it. I love it. And then you have to deal with the the consequences of that as the do-gooder or the you know the mercenary mm-hmm. oh my god you're beautiful ever have, have, ever beautiful my friend if you ever want jesse to come over and fix your life for you you can write <laughs> into the jaunty mantis jesse what's our email address it's jaunty mantis at gmail.com <laughs> or you could contact us on threads I haven't opened that in um, like six weeks. (laughs) The system works, ladies and gentlemen. 
Yeah, All I'm right. I'm at Jingoist Fact on X. I will get a notification if mm. you send it. I don't. Yeah, I don't expect anything to come in that way. We have one, but yeah, I, we didn't build it. <laughs> don't bother with Wanty Mantis at you know at Wanty Mantis. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. Well, if you have any questions, comments about genre, about different types of stories and different types of games, maybe you know the perfect game. Maybe you know that I am wrong and you are going to tell me. I would love to hear it from you, but only if you can keep it short and brief and concise. Right. As long as you want, we're grateful for the engagement. No, no, I'm going to cut it down. All right. Doesn't even have access to the email <laughs> inbox. Make it as long as you want. I edit this program. All right. So I have full power over keeping this brief. You could Damn read it. Win it again. <laughs> You could read an email for an hour on this podcast, and I would cut it down to 12 seconds. <laughs> Hold on, I'm booting up the bastard. <laughs> well, until we start our offshoot podcast called Booting Up the Bastard, I've been Maddie. And I've been Jesse. And get out there and play some fucking role-playing games and shit. Play, yeah, play some fucking games, I guess. <laughs> or, you know, don't. <laughs>